another episode of Mentor Musings. My name is JC, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey, JC. How are you today? Doing great. Doing great. So, Brett, let's dive in. I, I had a founder talk to me this week, and they were having problems holding their co-founder accountable. They, Their, their co-founder and partner, one of them was not kind of performing the way that they were expecting at this early stage in the venture. And so it made me realize that uh, navigating co-founder relationships and partnerships can be a struggle. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, I'm curious, right out of the gate, what do you think is important for uh, an entrepreneur to know when they're considering uh, whether or not to bring on a co-founder, just, you know, whether or not they need someone to actually join, join in the effort? Yeah, I think it's it's a great topic and I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. I think people just default and jump to a co-founder and say, hey, we like each other. Let's go start a company together, which, again, could work, may not work, but maybe a little bit more diligence behind it would be helpful. Obviously, I think the, the, the key one is, you know, skill set fit, right? You want to be able to complement each other, ideally, because of the work that needs to get done. If you guys both have the exact same skill set. Not bad, but it's going to create, you know, potential gaps in what you could do. But I think the the area that I spend more time in is really on the the mission purpose fit, right? Because if I started this company, I want to bring in a co-founder, which means you guys will be partners, not your first necessarily hire, right, that you may give some equity to. If you can't get aligned on the mission of what you want to do with this company, it's going to create problems. You know, and I've talked to founders all over the place that said, hey, we could have the five smartest co-founders in the world, but if we can't agree on that alignment of, of mission and purpose, we're not going to succeed because we'll be fighting each other all the way through the process. So I know it's kind of a high level answer, but love to get your perspective as well. I mean, I know you work with, you know, this is one of your core topics, right? Making sure <laughs> you get that right fit with that co-founder. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's, there's a lot of facets to this, but you start first with, do I need a co-founder? Or as you mentioned, Brett, am I just paying an initial employee with equity? What I would say first is, is, exactly what you said. You want to have an alignment from a vision and a value standpoint as well. You know, we talk about complementary and supplementary skills being critical. There's two other really important pieces of, of I would say, identifying a business partner or a co-founder, and that is someone you like and also uh, someone you trust. So you want somebody who has the skills that you need, but what's different, and I mean, you wanna like your employees, you wanna trust your employees, but for a partner, for a co-founder, those things are absolutely critical. What most people I've seen ultimately realize is that they sacrifice one of those three knowingly, you know, that they've got a partner that they may like and trust, but maybe the skills aren't necessarily exactly what the business needs right now, but they're willing to sacrifice that because they've got someone they can kind of lean on and kind of let into the process or uh, for a lot of people they sacrifice like you know you don't have to hire your best friend or be partners with your best friend but you have to trust them and they have to complement or supplement your skills so obviously again i know for me personally you know my business partner um we've kind of checked all three boxes and i feel blessed because i see a lot of founders out there that you have to at least sacrifice one of those but it is important that you have alignment from a vision standpoint because the other critical thing is not just whether or not there's going to be friction between the founders, but it's, hey, will this person actually 
you know, walk the entire journey. I mean, you're starting off on day zero. And on average, you're going to be doing this for at least 10 to 15 years, maybe more. And if you don't have that vision, if, if your co-founder doesn't have the alignment with that vision, then they're going to feel more and more um, dejected or disinterested in the outcome of the venture. And you need them to be around for a really long period of time. You don't want any of that that dead equity pooling up in, in your in your pool. The other thing that's important is from an investment standpoint, you know, as you're capitalizing or even as you're selling the venture, you are selling yourselves. And so you don't want to sell a, an investor or sell one of your first customers on, on kind of the duo or trio or however many of your founders that you have. And then all of a sudden have one of those people go away. I'm curious, Brett, in your world, we talk about complementary and supplementary skill sets, and I know a lot of people will identify kind of a sales co-founder, a business development co-founder. Is that something that you would advise that, that if you are, you know, let's say in a B2B setting, that you have someone who has that Rolodex and that, that depth of experience, like that you want to prioritize bringing them on as a co-founder, or is that not necessarily needed? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it comes back to ideally if you could get, you know, I think two things. One is I found it and it took me a long time to figure this out is kind of complementary to where my core strengths are, right? Somebody that's super detail oriented, pays attention, loves to get into the, the trenches and work through that. That's not my skill set and that's not something I'm passionate about. I have to do it at times. And it's funny coming from an operations background where I had to do that, it took me real. That's not what I like to do. So the best teams, duos that I've had is finding somebody who really likes to get into the details and make sure, you know, the trains are running on time, right? And everything along those lines. So I think having that skill set, one, if we're both visionaries, right? Or like to think big picture and nobody's paying attention to the details, we're going to be in trouble. I mean, you may be able to hire that, but yeah. So I think at a higher level, and I'd love to get your perspective to see how that works is one. And then two, I think there's certain things you can figure out, especially in the early days when everything's really founder led selling. Anyway, you're selling through passion and your belief for what the product is that you can get that momentum going without it and then you can start to bring in some folks to help you sell and market along those lines so i i personally think that's less important i want to find a skill set that's going to be complementary or in the case you know you and i are starting to collaborate on different things you come from more of a tech i come more from an operations type of a, a background and it fits nicely right we bring different perspectives but at the end of the day we're still driving in the same direction um no, I know I took a set topic. Did I answer your question? I think we were going down the line Absolutely. The skill sets. And so that's what I would look for is make sure you can check those two boxes. And if you have two people that are super detail oriented, nobody's looking two steps ahead, you're going to get stuck in the mud, I think. So, so to me, that's always kind of the priority. You can work around it. But to your point on 10 years, that's a long time to try to work around. Yeah, it, it is. You brought up a really good point, too, I want to underscore, which is when you are a startup, I mean, this is true of, I think, every business, but especially in the earliest stage, is you are battling two two things. It's, it's managing and starting and growing the business you are, and then also evolving towards the business you are going to be. And so, you know, while there's not usually... 
um, you know, kind of like a direct, you know, dissection of, okay, I'll be focused on the business we are, you be focused on the business we're going to be. Like you said, you do want to have people who are kind of overseeing or who are responsible and kind of thinking about at least from a straw man approach, those two elements of the business, but you're going to be involved in both. You know, I would say at a high level, as far as the sales discussion or the co-founder, or let's just say subject matter expertise, right? Like you want a co-founder that has one specific skill, SME area, thought leadership area, whatever, Um, you know, 500 startups and Dave McClure, they kind of popularize, at least in the tech world, this hacker hustler drawer, right? Like you got to have somebody who's out there doing the tech. You got to have somebody who's drawn and doing the beautiful designs and the branding and marketing. And then you got to have the hustler, right? And I would say this, that uh, interestingly enough, most startups that I see are either started by the, the hacker or drawer and they're seeking a hustler or it's the hustlers seeking the opposite. And so, uh, but you have to have, at least in the tech world, in my world, usually all three of those elements. Now that could be one person, that could be um, that could be three people, five people, it doesn't matter. Uh, but but you wanna have somebody kind of responsible for those, those key areas. Now I'm curious to ask you about this. Let, let's talk about the scope of the team. So a lot of times when we talk about co-founder, it's actually co-founders. Um, do you have any thoughts or have you noticed any trend with people who are having large co-founding teams, let's say three to five plus people versus people who just have one co-founder? Any thoughts or, or comments or suggestions there as people think, okay, do I need to bring on three other people besides myself or would one other person be sufficient? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it comes back to what we originally talked about. Do they share the, the vision and mission of what you guys are, what you're trying to build? Because if you've got four people rowing in four different directions, it just adds, you know, more friction into to what you're trying to do. And I know that's kind of a, a broad view of it. But, you know, I interviewed a folks, was it Izoto or a couple, they had like four or five co-founders skill sets, but they had a shared mission for what they were doing. And, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, maybe we can close with it is communication, right? If you can overcome a lot of these barriers and obstacles between two with good communication, um, but even the tightly aligned co-founders that can't communicate, they're going to be destined to fail. Very rarely can you get around poor communication between co-founders. So, but to tie off on your original question, I think I don't, in the early stage, so I look at it kind of the three stages. The first one is, you know, get to that million dollars. Again, we've talked about it's arbitrary, but a lot of that's founder-led selling. So if you've got three co-founders, three networks, ideally if your product or service works, you're gonna be able to get there quickly, but you're doing a lot of that hustle. That next one is the one to 10 million. Now you're gonna start putting some of the infrastructure and you're gonna start to divide and conquer who's gonna be responsible for what. You can still, work your way through it it's you're gonna have to work maybe twice as hard if you can't don't have the right skill sets then once you get to 10 to the 25 and 25 to 100 then you have to have those complementary skill sets but that goes back to the conversation of can you hire right your first SME into those areas so i like that at minimum one is tough because you don't have anything to bounce things off of right if you're an army of one co-founder for sure and then i think you just got to be really diligent and comfortable if you go but beyond the co-founder that you're bringing into the team because it's not like i said it's not a hire that you can replace this is this is the team you're going to battle with into your earlier point for 10 years so i don't look at it as a necessary and i've seen teams of two do very well. I've also seen teams of four do well, but the common theme was that unified vision for what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I would agree with so much of what you just said there, Brett. And I would also say this, 
as far as investors, which we're not building ventures just to get funded, right? That's not our goal. Our goal right. is not funding. Our goal is success. Build good businesses. Build good businesses. Don't build businesses that can just be funded. But if you do need to externally capitalize, I would say this. Uh, having more co-founders on the cap table is generally a, a cause of concern to potential investors for a couple reasons. All of the reasons you just mentioned, Brett, like they understand that once you've completed the journey, the likelihood that all four or five plus of those people are going to be active at the end is extremely unlikely. The other thing that worries them is uh, this idea of uh, they want a benevolent dictatorship, right? They don't want four equal 25% partners because what do you right. do if you disagree? Or by the way, two partners, they don't want 50-50. They want at least one person to have that 51% because you will, you will encounter issues where even when you have that vision alignment that you're going to disagree. And it's interesting, the number one and like by far the number one litigious activity for startups is focused around issues between the co-founders, right? And when, they, when they're at an impasse or at, they can't actually communi you know, communicate with each other. So you're right, communication is key. Let's talk about that piece for a moment. So what can uh, co-founders do? You, you go out, you have at least one co-founder. What can you do at the onset other than confirming, hey, we've got a, you know vision on the uh, alignment on the vision. What can they be doing to kind of mitigate the risk of not being able to communicate in the future here? Yeah, I think it's, it's such a good and a key topic. Uh, you both have to be able to speak their minds, right? You can have disagreements, 100% friction in that the growth process is good. You should be able to debate and have those discussions. But at the end of the day, come back and agree, <laughs> right? This is the direction we're, we're going to move in. And hopefully there's no rip big enough that causes that gap. But what you don't want to have happen is one founder to think everything's going on, but the co-founder to get start building up resentment or frustration or those things and not communicating. So just opening that level and the channel of communication, I think is, is so important and it's hard. It's hard to teach. It's hard to coach. I mean, you could actually have a session where you pull the two founders or co-founders together and air the, the dirty laundry, but at some point they got to figure out how to do that themselves or, to your point on you know investment, these investors are going to see through that at some point, right? So, and it's not easy, but and that's why it's, it goes back to our original why we're even talking about this. It's so important to get the right co-founder as part of the process. And again, two yes people isn't going to work either. You need to have that disagreement, but you've got to have healthy disagreement if if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's it really boils down to the relationship and making sure that you have that 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 alignment on the vision. But there's a couple other practical things I would kind of bolt onto this, right? Because most of your disagreements are gonna happen when probably the business is struggling and there's a higher degree of uncertainty and there's a higher degree of emotionality. And when there's a misalignment where you feel your partner is not performing the way that they should, or the partner feels you're not performing the way that you should. So there's a couple things that you can do, uh, simple things like create a vesting schedule. So, right, even though your co-founders don't give yourselves all of the equity right out of the gate, earn it over a period of time so that that way, if one of you does, or if one of the founders does need to bow out for personal reasons or whatever, then that's not just dead equity in the pool. It also keeps people incentivized saying, hey, we have to kind of earn our way into this, even though it's our baby, it's our idea. Uh, but definitely having clear lines of responsibility, like you mentioned before, and then just having an honest discussion, being willing to kind of call 
time out and say, hey guys, this isn't working. Let's let's get some healthy debate. Let's facilitate healthy debate because if we prioritize that now, we're gonna avoid uh, a lot of those issues in the future. So, you know, again, I think some key takeaways for folks is have alignment on the vision, 100%. Whoever you're working with, that is absolutely critical. Don't over-prioritize finding 12 co-founders, you know, find someone who balances you, find someone who can complement what you're doing, but you know, that can be just one other person, doesn't have to be 12 people. And then the third thing is, is prioritize communication. Make sure that you're doing things upfront and setting expectations upfront so that everybody knows that you need to be direct and honest about how things are performing. Because if you can't be honest with your business partner about how they're doing, or they honest with you about how you're doing, then your chances of succeeding are, are diminishing rapidly. So uh, yeah. Brett, any final thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to add a fourth one to that and, you know, not plugging mentors, but, you know, having one for your business, I think is so critical because they can give you the honest feedback that said, yeah, you're a little bit of out of line here or you need to be able to include your. So just having that independent, unbiased third party, they can help the partnerships see through where their gaps are. Because, again, if you do it alone, it, you're going to run the risk of, like I said, the resentment and the breakdown and the lack of trust, and which is all critical to the growth. So I don't want to play doom and you know gloom that these things weren't, but I think it's an important factor, especially as we work with some of the younger or earlier stage founders that, man, it's, it's reality, especially if you have co-founders. So if you can take some of these steps ahead of time and think about it, right, plan for the worst and, you know, kind of hope for the best type of a <laughs> approach you know works so yeah i really like your idea of the the vesting schedule i hadn't really thought about that but i think it's a good idea and maybe that's something we can post somewhere if you've got some ideas how to how to approach that so uh no i think that would just been the last piece is use use a third party to help you guys because there are going to be times where you're not going to have agreements and you need somebody to help you guys talk through it well said, Brett. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, if you like the video, please subscribe. Please share it with others. If there are other founders out there that are in your network, whether you're mentoring them or you just know them because they're also starting businesses like you, share this video if you think it would be important. Uh, like us on Instagram and Twitter. Engage with us on social media. But as always, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Brett. And we'll see everybody next time. See you guys. See you next week. Cheers.